Hello and welcome to the Age of Plastic podcast, your environmental podcast which acts as a gateway drug into all climate issues. Now today we are taking a look back at when I was so, so lucky to chat to the activist Michaela Loach. Now Michaela Loach has just finished and is now promoting her very first book. It is available as of the 6th of April It's called It's Not That Radical, Climate Action to Transform Our World. And here is when I got a chance to chat to Michaela Loach for the Age of Plastic podcast a little while ago. So how it's impacting people's health is unequal in so many different ways and is and does correspond to systems of oppression. But that means that if we address that in how we tackle the climate crisis, we can improve health. The Lancet said that the climate crisis can be seen as the greatest global health opportunity of the 21st century. And like, how hopeful is that? Because there are so many co-benefits to tackling the climate crisis that also dismantle oppression, which I think is just so hopeful and so great. And I wish that more people saw it through that lens. And welcome to the Age of Plastic podcast. It's me again, Andrea Fox. I hope you are doing well and you've recovered from the stress and trauma of the US election. A big thank you to you if you joined Future Fest at the weekend. I was hosting a podcast on the podcast stage on Sunday. Future Fest is Pebble Mag's a virtual festival that was held over the weekend. It was so brilliant. If you did miss out, don't worry, the live episode will be going out uh, in a few weeks' time. I talk sustainability with two beauty brand founders, uh, Kind2, Sue Campbell and Lisa Sexton from Bolt.Beauty. On the way today, as always, we'll have an eco-life hack on today's episode. Um, But first, it's just a really important podcast chat today. I am so excited about today's guest. Really grateful I got some time with her because, frankly, she is booked and busy. Uh, Michaela Loach is an Edinburgh-based climate justice and anti-racism activist. You might have seen her articles in EcoAge, you might have seen her featured in Elle magazine, or even talking about climate change on BBC News recently. Michaela also hosts, along with her co-host, Joe Becker, the brilliant Yikes podcast, which delves into some really important, really interesting discussions on social justice. Oh, and just to top it all off, she's also busy studying medicine. Yeah. Uh, This is a really hopeful discussion, I think, about climate activism, what an activist is, how we can all be activists and bring more people into the climate discussion and keep it inclusive. And also we talk about how TikTok stars might just save us. Michaela is brilliant with the quotes. Um, I can barely remember my own address. Uh, She remembers them all. So stand by with a pen and paper for those. Now, I spoke to Michaela on a break from her first hospital placement just before the US election result and just after we found out that England was going into a second lockdown. Here's my chat with Michaela Loach. So, um, how are you other than tired today? (laughs) Um, I'm good, yeah. I think, like... I think this week I've weirdly felt more hopeful. So like last week I was feeling very um, down in the dumps about everything because of like a lot of the news that was coming out, like was very awful. And to be fair, this week we've also had a lot of awful news. Like we've had, and I I don't know what, no, actually I know why I'm feeling more hopeful. It's because I saw that the Chilean election that happened this week and like there've been so many protests for how many months, around like what was going on and the violence that was going on in Chile and they like made their new constitution and it was like in favor by 80% of the population and that gives me hope that like we can create change and I think that um like talking to some of my friends who like aren't British they were saying like we focus too much on the west and when we look at news and that's and that's why we can feel sometimes like down in the dumps about things and we actually look at the rest of the world like there's so much change happening like the Bolivian election as well gave me so much like hope as well there's just there is a new world coming and 
um i just yeah i think i'm just feeling a little bit more hopeful that we can create change this god you make me feel emotional already <laughs> i was like crying at bake-off last night and now i'm like <laughs> hold it together because i was feeling like oh i can't believe i'm talking to her today there's like, so much bad news around but i really want to focus on like how she keeps joy and positivity and her activism mm. and like ah but that's such an interesting point isn't it like we we tend to just focus on 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 the bad and I, i'm thinking if i think it was you who posted the quote about um sometimes the darkness isn't like, darkness of the tomb but the darkness of the womb yeah i tweeted that yesterday because my favorite bookshop in edinburgh lighthouse books um who are like at this radical bookstore they are so great i love them so much and they saw me posting about things happening in chile and like i quoted aaron dusty roach i always do where she says like another world is not only possible she is on her way on a quiet day we can hear her breathing and i quoted that and then um lighthouse like messaged me and were like this makes me think of this quote by valerie Kaur, and it says it what if this darkness is not the darkness of the tomb but the darkness of the womb and that like does give me so much hope because i think we had a lot to grieve or we've had a lot to grieve recently like last week seeing that the government removed protections for refugee children um and that they like refused to continue the free school meals system in a, in a country where we have four million children in poverty um it did feel like there were like constant i don't know it to me it, at the time it felt like there was like no hope at all and then i saw the chilean like changes and i've like reflected on like what bolivia have done recently and i'm like okay another world is on her way maybe like yeah maybe there is a new world coming and we just have to hope in that and like trust that something is happening now yeah, yeah, because so much of the climate justice is tied up in so many things. I was thinking about it the other day. You know, we're within the patriarchal system. We're within the capitalist system. Like, I was wondering, like, is it is it possible to have climate justice within these these frameworks? And mm. like, I just, I just, I don't don't really know whether yeah. I know enough about it to, to to know. You know what I mean? I think it's yeah. I think it can be really like. I've been talking to friends about this recently because. I feel like when it comes to talking about climate justice, especially online, it's this bubble of people who kind of understand what's going on or kind of, or at least have some understanding of the conversations. And then I was talking to one of my friends um, at uni who is someone who like, like is, is in higher education and therefore has a lot of privilege and education privilege. And she was even like, I'm not sure I totally understand what all of you are talking about online sometimes. And I was like, if you don't understand, then how are we going to reach like all these other people? And how are we going to be able, like, and I've been thinking a lot, like, how do we, communicate these tricky topics of system change and systems of oppression and and like climate justice as a principle like I feel like yeah I'm really trying to think about how do we expand beyond that bubble um and I think that is quite a difficult thing to do yeah and I remember you saying that your uh, editor for your podcast the Yikes podcast sometimes mm. goes okay can we rein it back from some yeah. of the, the jargon as he calls it but um I, I wanted to I guess kind of start with that because I often ask guests like what sustainable means to them but I suppose Mm. when you're um, very much like I don't know as women like I'm aware Mm. of intersexual feminism and that is what I'm trying to learn about and practice and be in my own life but you use the phrase intersectional environmentalism so Mm. for anyone who may be like your friend at uni Mm. doesn't necessarily know what the definition of that is can you kind of explain that for listeners yeah so I would see that intersectional environmentalism and climate justice are like the same thing with just different labels and whatever label works for you like run with it whatever one you can understand more run with it both of them basically see that the climate crisis is connected to systems of oppression so if you're confused about what systems of oppression means um so ways in which people are disadvantaged in the world ways in which equalities are are um upheld in the world also intersect with the climate crisis so if we look at who's most affected by the climate crisis um communities of color 
black indigenous communities of color are the most affected by the impacts of the climate crisis even though they've had the least to like role to play in the creation of it um but also in how we tackle the climate crisis we need to be aware of these different inequalities because if we tackle the climate crisis without addressing inequality we're just going to uphold these same inequalities and so intersectional environmentalism and climate justice both see that we can't tackle the climate crisis without paying attention to inequality so we can't tackle the climate crisis without also like addressing sexism we can't tackle the climate crisis without also addressing institutional racism and systemic racism and white supremacy um we can't do any of this without also addressing ableism like all of these different things are so interlinked and so i see climate justice and intersectionality and intersectional environmentalism as something that gives hope um to a movement because there was actually a report by the Lancet, their climate change and health report. Um, so I'm a medical student, so I'm, I love health. <laughs> yes. And this was one that I heard on the, a recent podcast and I was like, I hadn't mm. even thought. Like I was like, well, sending our, our plastic rubbish away to a poor country that can't deal with it. That's racist. Like, yeah, yeah. I hadn't even thought about it in terms of health. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, so not even like, so how it's impacting like people's health is is unequal in so many different ways and is and does correspond to systems of oppression but that means that if we address that in how we tackle the climate crisis we can improve health so like the lancet said that um the climate crisis can be seen as the greatest global health opportunity of the 21st century and like how hopeful is that because there are so many co-benefits to tackling the climate crisis that also kind of dismantle oppression which i think is just so hopeful and so great and i wish that more people like saw it through that lens because i do understand that like like I've been in the climate movement for a while and have had a lot of people say like talking about oppression and blah, blah blah like dilutes the movement like we need to focus on the climate crisis itself this is a big thing that I've heard like a lot from within the movement mm. but actually we can't like they're so they're connected so we can't not address them and if we're not tackling oppression we're upholding it and that's why I always say like if we're not like addressing oppression and trying to dismantle it then all we're doing is upholding it so in the ways that which we like tackle the climate crisis we can also create a hopeful world for all people um and it's not diluting the movement if anything it's enhancing it anything it can get more people involved if we can make people realize that like almost all of our struggles are connected with the climate crisis then we can work together to try and solve it in some way yeah and i mean thinking of that point you made about health as well like we think of it as something that's quite far away but i remember a story on the news here in london must have been last year of a young girl who Mm. died from an asthma attack because the air quality is so poor in London so it's not like a far away problem it is a problem for all of us and like you say Mm. everything is interconnected and I think your podcast does a brilliant job of like pointing out all how everything is interconnected Mm. but then sometimes it can feel like um like a like a lot of things to keep across you know what I mean yeah 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 um, also, that that um, that young girl is the first person who will have like on her cause of death as being pollution, um, which is like, which is yeah, which is a huge, a huge thing. I'd forgotten um, that. Wow. Yeah. If anyone wants want to hear a little bit more about this on Friends of the Earth podcast, we chatted to David Lammy and Majid Majid about um, this, like that whole situation as well. Um, wow. But that's why. So what you're saying about um, there being too many things, that's kind of why we created the Yikes, there's many reasons why we started the Yikes podcast yeah well, I uh, wanted to yeah. ask that as well like yeah. why, why did you and Joe decide to do this so it was a uh, part of it was because we felt online there's a lot of shouting not much listening and not much nuance and we wanted to create <laughs> a space where we could show that there's nuance within all of these conversations and then it's not like 
it's not as stark as it might seem there's gray areas like there are things that we need to like really unpick and understand but also because we realize a lot of people have absolutely no clue what's going on on like they'll jump on say you've never followed an act an environmental activist or campaign or whatever you jump on their account and you'd be like what are all these words like what is a just transition what does what does like oppression mean like i don't know all these different things that you might be like i don't understand what system change and so we thought if we could create a space where we like define key terms and talk about them and like try and try and make it a more accessible conversation then that will hopefully make people feel a bit less intimidated um mm. but also i think we wanted to both of us having experience in the climate movement people talking about like talking about oppression dilutes the message or dilutes the movement we wanted to show that you you can care about all these different things and you can like have awareness of all these different things and it doesn't dilute your message like the message is still coherent the message is that we want climate justice and we want oppression to end like that is a coherent message and you can be able to like i don't think we have a capacity to love or like a capacity to care about things and i think that too often it seems like oh like oh because you care about x you therefore can't care about whatever mm. other thing yeah. but you still can care and you still can educate yourself about it it might not be your like specialty maybe you're a campaign yes. about sexual assault and that's and you, so you're not going to also campaign maybe for other things but you can include awareness of, of that other struggle that you recognize within your campaigning like mm. if you say that you are i know say you're campaigning about plastic for example on this if you campaign about plastic with that and you don't engage with disability activists for example you're going to end up perpetuating ableism through your through your activism whereas if you're like oh wait a minute i recognize that I don't know as much about this oppression. I'm going to take some time to educate myself. It will make your advocacy better for everyone. And so I do see there's a way in which like all of us as advocates, as educators, as whatever, or just as people, like if we like allow ourselves to understand different perspectives, which I think social media allows for, which is really great. Mm. Um, then we'll just be better at communicating and better people in general. Like we'll go out into the world with a new perspective. Yeah. And I think that's so true. You don't have to, you don't have to be a specialist in everything. And, mm. and, and, you know, there are, there are people out there like fighting for clean water in Flint and fighting for, you know, better recycling here in the UK. Like you don't have to do everything, but being aware of all of those battles, mm. I think is so important. Yeah. Cause they're all connected. It's like, like a lot of the, um, people who would say we're diluting the message I think that they a lot of the, a lot of it was around like we wanted to talk about race within the climate movement and people were kind of like we can't be anti-racist activists this is obviously like before the summer people would be like we can't be anti-racism activists and climate activists as if it was these two this dichotomy between the two but if you're a climate activist without awareness of anti-racism or of racism then you're going to perpetuate these systems so it's like we can't we you don't have to you don't have to be someone who does every single cause, but you should try and be aware of them, especially if it's an impression you don't experience yourself. Like I mm. have so much gratitude for like social media for educating me about, um, especially about like disabled activists and especially about like trans activists, because I just in my life hadn't known that many people who experienced those impressions. Like, and, and also the people that I had known, I wasn't going to be like, hey, tell me everything. Like, because I'm not going to, like, I, I'd read, I'd read Rude, books. I'd, obviously, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I think that you're, it's, it gives us a way of, social media allows us to understand things that we wouldn't be able to in, like, otherwise. And, like, gives us, like, access to information in a much more accessible way. And I think that that's just so wonderful. And, like, it's such a resource that we should use. And rather than, like, I don't know, rather than being so, like, tunnel vision to we're only going to stick to what we already know and what we already care about be like oh why do these people care about this and like how can I understand that a bit more yeah exactly and you know we we are speaking as two privileged women mm. you know like and I know you you acknowledge your privilege on the Yikes mm. podcast a lot so you, we're not 
we're going to have blind spots. Mm. Um, so, and I think it's kind of to acknowledge your privilege is a sensible and powerful thing and also to acknowledge where your blind spots are Mm. really and you brought up social media there because obviously activism this year has been very much online Mm. um and you i'm thinking about gina martin's podcast might delete later because i do have this like love hate relationship (laughs) with social media it's a great one isn't Mm. it um it's it's so funny isn't it because obviously someone's making money out of instagram might not necessarily be the people with all of the followers Mm. but it is such a tool Mm. um and it's one of those things that i think like you say we're we're working within like a capitalist framework and Mm. it's it's one of those things that i think is is really important but have Mm. you found it always like a positive for you in uh no and this is something that um i've been talking also a lot to like my friends about like my my, my friends who also do activism like mm. how do we use a platform which is founded on capitalism to do anti-capitalist work is that possible like as Audrey Lord says like you can't use the master's tool to take down the master's house and sometimes I'm like am I using the master's tools <laughs> to try and like how much <laughs> but then I also recognize that I've learned so much from social media so I think it's this like this difficult thing that I'm still grappling with like what's the best way to do this work I think like so I've obviously had like some bad but like as a black woman online I've experienced a lot of like racial abuse online just always mm. because just it's awful yeah and then just actually listening to Gina Martin's TED talk made me because she in it she talks about how we need to stop calling them trolls because they are real people who exist in the world you not know, in our office places and are like around us and that made me even check myself like I think that me dismissing those people is part of it's a survival like technique and a survival I don't know move just to try and like preserve myself and not think of them as a real person but I think there's a point at which we need to like try and hold people accountable more that's a bit of a side note but like that's I think also one thing people maybe people don't recognize but like just being a black person online like you experience racial violence like being with a platform of any way and I think Mm -hmm. that I wish more people like clock that um I was even talking to some friends about how we were like how do we break out of the echo chamber how should we talk to all these like mainstream media platforms that um have a lot of like people following them who like don't agree with everything that we say and then like myself and another per- person who we were talking in that conversation who's also a person of color both of us were mm. like well we'll experience like so much racial violence from that and like whereas like white folks won't in the same way so yeah that's just like a bit of a side like note but um something that i think people don't like maybe think about as much um mm. but within social media and like trying to use it like mm. as a tool for good it's kind of I think there's so much power within it, but our activism and our organizing can't like end there. Like okay. I think that there's, there's, or it can't end with just us on our own. Like I think there has to be some sort of community engagement as in, and that means like organizing. And I think people don't understand maybe what organizing is, but organizing is just basically like campaigning in some way, like together. And when you work together, you can do so much more than you can, like mm. just on your own. And there are so many groups that already exist and that if there were more people that just gave like even like an hour a week or like whatever time that you have and whatever skills you have you you might even just be asked to like print out some posters or put up some posters there are things that all of us can do um and that way we'll create more change because like there's only so much we can do within the bubble of social media and then there's Mm. a point at which we have to kind of take it out of there and be like how can we apply what we've learned how can we apply what we're doing into these systems that already exist and Mm. try and change them in like real terms yeah that's amazing I was going to ask as well like 
what can listeners do <laughs> so I think that is like put an hour aside a week guys and uh, just... Well, it's just I would honestly like, the first thing I would say to people is just like if say wherever you live like google mm. whatever thing you're interested in like whatever like maybe it's you're interested in food poverty in your local area or something mm. just google like um mutual aid where your area is or something or like food bank where your area is or like I don't know or maybe you're interested in refugee rights and then you just type in like migrant solidarity your area or something like that just have a google use all the different terms maybe you're google interested is your friend google is your friend <laughs> google is like a great resource in many ways but like you're, or even just like you're interested in like fossil fuel activism like maybe globally or maybe in your area but fight like just send, send messages to these groups be like i have this amount of time i have these skills what like how can i help and i wish like more people asked that question like how can i help because i feel like there are like a few people doing a lot and like there are so many people who care who'd want to do something but maybe feel a bit intimidated and it's just like if people just made that little bit of a step then like there'd be less burnout like <laughs> people and there'd be more people just like taking part and doing things and we create change and like that's like mass movements are what create change and like we all just have to become part of that um Andre Henry says like that we all have to become part of the sleeping giant that awakes and that's what I always like think of myself I'm like we have to move from that point of like just doing things on our own to like how can we together become this sleeping giant that awaits because that giant can do big things and can change systems and can change and can uproot oppression from its like yeah I just think it's amazing yeah that's such a good point and like I suppose do you think we all need to become activists a little bit yeah and I, th I think that like also demystifying like what an activist means is an important thing because I think um there can be so much gatekeeping in like who's allowed to be an activist and I've definitely really? well I think well I think I've played a part in that in some way like I sometimes like I'm like should I call myself like an activist online because I think I think it means that people are like well I don't do what she does and therefore I can't be an activist or like mm -hmm. I don't but there's I just like being an activist just means being an active citizen it literally just means doing something so if you're doing something like you can be an activist and we all have the ability and the capacities to be activists and Angela Davis talks about this um quite a lot how she feels like the depiction of history as the work of a few exceptional people just prevents us from realizing how we all can create change. And it's not mm. just about exceptional individuals. It's yeah. about the ordinary people whose names we've never ever heard of, but who created huge change in like the civil rights movement or in the climate movement in the past. I always think about how many um, indigenous activists who are literally protecting the majority of the natural world i think that oh, i can't remember the quotes i'm not gonna say it but there's, it's basically a you've bit, been so good yeah. with the quotes i'm loving this i was just thinking Sorry, i'm gonna have yeah. to make sure i put these in the show notes. <laughs> but um i can't remember the exact statistic but like the indigenous communities make up a very very small percent of the world's population but they protect the majority of the world's like natural world um wow. and so many indigenous activists are currently fighting constantly because they have no choice or have literally given like not given their like had their lives taken from them for this mm. fight and we'll never know their names like we'll mm. never hear their names and oh gosh it makes me quite emotional actually because i just mm. think like how much we owe these people like over um over this year over 100 activists um have been killed in colombia for protecting natural land oh my God. and those are people's names who we'll never know. They're not the, they're not the, like, whilst people like Gress Thunberg are amazing, like, there are so many people who've given so much whose names we'll never know. And they might not have done, yeah, some of them did exceptional things, but some of them might have done, like, some very small things, like, but they've, they were all essential to this movement. And mm. that means that whoever's listening to this, like, you can be essential to this movement as well. Um, mm. 
you don't have to be a great speaker you don't have to like have loads of confidence you might just have a few skills that really needs in your area or you might just like have some time even and um, mm. there's so much that we can do it's yeah but yeah I think I also recognize how much privilege I have in being part of this movement in the way that I am part of it so like I recognize that like at least in the way that I do I have mentioned geomarchism in the last few years I'm not mm. risking I haven't risked my life at any point mm. and I recognize that that is a huge privilege and I think that um I just feel like there's not enough I just feel there's not enough credit given to indigenous communities who are literally mm. saving all of our lives <laughs> like mm. like they are literally responsible for the fact that we even have like an eco- like ecosystems alive today um, exactly yeah and even just thinking about them just does get me really emotional because I'm just like I don't know and then I yeah I I just realized that yeah I have so much privilege in the way I'm doing activism and mm. the situation I'm in or the privileges I hold this Christmas and let's green the planet forget socks and instead give the greatest gift a magical carbon trapping anti-climate change contraption a tree Freedom have spent the past 10 years working with NGOs and farmers in 17 countries, planting indigenous species of trees, creating jobs, as well as focusing on tackling issues from hunger to gender equality. So far, Freedom have planted over 1.4 million trees. That's a lot of carbon offsetting. Over 400 million tonnes, to be exact. Here's Freedom CEO and founder, Frederico Garcia. I'm so proud of what we do every morning. I wake up, I know that I'm going to work for a purpose. Right now, we have seen a, a, an amazing change. More and more consumers, they ask for green product. So it's something from the consumer. They are asking companies to be more sustainable. So if your workplace are planning to send out gifts to clients this year, or if you've got a fussy brother to buy for like me, consider gifting on their behalf with Freedom. From a lemon tree in Kenya to a coffee tree in Guatemala all from as little as 15 euro. You can personalise your gift and get virtual updates on your tree. Join me and green the planet this Christmas with Treedom. Head to treedom.net and use discount code AGEOFPLASTIC20 at the checkout to get 20% off your trees before midnight on December 31st, 2020. Or follow the link in the show notes wherever you are listening. And a massive thank you to Treedom for not only sorting out my Christmas shopping this year, but also sponsoring this series of the Age of Plastic podcast. we're just so lucky really aren't we you know like Mm. we're so lucky that other people have done the work before us and still continue to yeah Um, and I think we need to like acknowledge that as well because like all we're doing is we're like finally catching up like so many mm. people have been it really like sometimes people like totally agree with that for me completely like I think back Mm. to things I did three years ago never mind what I did like in my teens like Mm. I just wasn't thinking about so many things that are so important to me now Mm-hmm. and then and it's like yeah so many people have been doing this work for so long like maybe you haven't st- whoever's listening that maybe you haven't started yet but it's not too late like it's never too late to start doing something um and like maybe you've participated in behaviors that are problematic or you still do and like I'm sure that I do in so many ways um I'm sure I but do like, for sure yeah but like there's a there's a quote that I put on my Instagram from this um graphic designer called Tyler Elsie, I think, is the name. So but I'm good at remembering it. names. Oh, no. Honestly, I love it. Um, <laughs> I think podcasting <laughs> makes me like no. I don't know. Also, like I read quite a lot, but like um, 
she says like normalize changing your opinion when you're presented with new information. oh i love that quote yeah i've seen that uh, yeah. shared a lot by you by lots of people it's a great one and it's just so important because it's like we we all i think that our pride hold us back so much from doing anything because we'll be like oh i still do x y and z or i've done x y and z and therefore mm. i'm not as good as this person i see on the internet or i'm not as good as this activist i saw in the past but actually like yeah we need to really resist this depiction of history as like uh, the work of exceptional individuals creating change when actually like all of us are like kind of problematic and kind of like mm. have a lot of work to do um yeah like so much as has gone before and I think you're right about us like especially in the past few years and I don't know whether I'm just becoming more politically aware but like people really digging their heels in mm. about their opinions especially on social media and I think if you get those people in a room to talk about things I don't think it I don't think people would dig into those opinions as much as maybe when someone's telling them they're an idiot or they don't know or I, I don't know like that's not true of of uh some things but I just feel like yeah there's I've started trying to be a bit more because I realized uh people listen like friends who maybe listen to, to the podcast that I do once or twice mm. then they'll be like oh I'm really sorry I've got like plastic in my house I'm like you don't listen do you because I am not about shaming like this mm. is you know like the quote that I'm I'm sure you're aware of that like 71% of greenhouse gas emissions is down to 100 companies like mm. just because like I've I've got a car in lockdown it's a brand mm. new thing and I quite enjoy it unfortunately it's not electric I can't afford one yet mm. but and I felt really bad about it and then I was like mm, I'm, I'm trying to do my bit like it's not just down to me to fix everything and it's not down to you it's not down to any activist it's not down to anyone who's doing this work to have all of it on their shoulders and I think that is an important thing for people to remember when they see people and go oh this activist is doing everything it's like no we all have to do our bit yeah and like we're, we're all hypocrites in so many ways like I think yeah, I think especially around like lifestyle things, I've gone on like a bit of a journey with um, <laughs> with like ethical, or not even necessarily not ethical, but like eco lifestyle things. Um, because I used to be like, like very deep into like zero waste being the thing that we need to do to like, to create the biggest change or like, or even just like conscious consumerism being the best thing we can do. Um, and whilst I still see like value in that and behavior change is important, um, I also recognize that we do live in these big systems and it's so much more complicated than that. And like yeah. I was realizing- And that, it's yeah. impossible, isn't it, to have zero effect on the mm. planet. As soon as you are born, you're gonna, leave a, you're gonna leave a mark. Yeah, exactly. And like, I just realized that I was spending like genuinely like many hours running around to like five different stores so like all my groceries would be completely plastic free and like spending many hours like home making all this stuff just so I didn't have to use any plastic at all and then getting really stressed out if I ever had to buy something that was in plastic and then mm. I was like imagine if I reinvested that same amount of time into organizing <laughs> like imagine if the hours that I'm spending going to all these different stores and making my own oat milk and doing all these things I instead like invested into a community project that would mean that like being like having a lower impact on the environment would be accessible for like all people and not just those who have the time to the do the time these and things. the money yes yeah. I say it all the time like I go to zero waste shops and I just know my, my friends who've got families just to have nowhere near the time and I just mm. think it's it's not accessible money wise for everyone and that's yeah it's and not think, good enough just to have everything as a zero waste tool like yeah that's just not and if the like answer. if someone if you can do that easily and accessibly like that's great cool like I have nothing against that at all. I just think that 
what we need to think is like sustainability for who like if it's just sustainability for you then is that just ego like are you just being like oh i love the fact that i like have everything really aesthetically pleasing and i don't make any waste but are you thinking about like oh wait that person in my community this isn't accessible to them and they have to buy things in single-use plastic because of systems that have created a world in which they have to do that like if we're like so when you think when you think more about like, sustainability for everyone like mm-hmm. that might not mean being like personally zero waste it might be like oh I'm gonna involve myself into a project that maybe like rallies the government on like these different um policies they have that allow this much waste to be in our systems or like I'll recognize that plastics are made from fossil fuels and therefore if I'm not tackling the fossil fuel industry then my like a lot of my plastic work might not be that helpful and that also that like plastics are going to be in our world like at some like in some way or form for forever pretty much for especially for medical reasons like I since working yeah since working in hospital oh my gosh the amount of like plastic that's used every day that is completely necessary Mm -hmm. like um is just astronomical maybe realize like there's there are different like i think that there are ways that we can campaign that helps everyone and that isn't just about ego that i think like yeah is a way that we can just kind of change things a little bit yeah definitely i definitely want to get onto the medical stuff in just a second <laughs> but just going back to one of the other points you just mentioned um i like i do speak to people who are making more sustainable product but you know there's always going to be energy you know we're always leaving a mark on the planet um somehow and I think often people do have that ego thing and I think Mm. it is ego I hadn't thought of it as ego until you said that where they've got they want to throw everything out and people will ask me like oh so do you know a bit about sustainable fashion or stuff now and I'm like whatever is in your wardrobe is the most sustainable Mm. like don't be thinking you need to throw everything out that is not the point and that is the most accessible way of Mm. being sustainable just using everything you have until it literally breaks and then being like right okay how do I recycle this yeah exactly and so so much of that is like um stuff that's been done by marginalized communities for so long that hasn't been like glamorous like yes yeah like zero saving leftovers or like using all the things you already have like all of that has been done by marginalized communities because like it's cheaper and more accessible for those communities and then it i do feel it's almost been this kind of like almost like gentrification of those activities to be like yeah oh all these like very pretty white bloggers are the ones who created these ideas and it's like actually like so many communities have been doing this because of necessity for so long and like don't exactly. don't like erase that and i think that's what i i, I would just say like think about in all the actions we're doing like how much like is this truly sustainable how much is this like kind of just are you doing it because you like the look of it or like it's like aesthetically pleasing and like how much can you how can you use what you're doing to like help the other people that exist in our community in this world or maybe in your local community um Mm. like yeah I think that like with fashion that's a good example of where sometimes I feel like people have the right intentions but can go the wrong way of being like getting rid of their fast fashion clothes and buying eco-friendly like stay eco-friendly brands it's like actually it's so much better if you just use what you already have like that's yeah. the most sustainable clothes that you have and that goes back to the point that we started this conversation with of uh those lovely quotes about things may feel really difficult now mm. and you know, you could get down about the climate crisis, but maybe this is the rebirth into something better. It's mm. not the end, it's the rebirth into something better. Mm. And I think that, yeah, I think that's what I have to hold on to because 
I think I also find it really funny. Me and Joe, who also hosts the podcast with me, we always laugh about how we sound so much more hopeful on the podcast and in interviews <laughs> than we actually are, like usually. Um, but I think it's because, like, you kind of you have to hold on to hope in some way, and like, we have to keep moving, and we can't like give up because if we give up, then like, oppression wins, and all these like bad forces win, and yeah things aren't looking up mm. at the moment they're not like in in some aspects like um we'll see how the u.s election goes and other things but like which is also something that's given me nightmares like, I know. me and my husband yeah. yesterday we were like are we gonna stay up and watch this and i even messaged Arja barbara and i was like are you actually gonna watch it watch yeah. the u.s election she was like i don't think i could do that to myself i was like fair <laughs> yeah well, i mean that was fair. like when i watched the uk elections in oh yeah oh, it was terrible oh, in december yeah. as soon as they announced i was like and yeah. I just went to bed. Yeah, and the no, EU referendum as well. I was like, Ugh. I, I wish I had just gone to bed. I she said up until like three in the morning. I think watching the exit polls and like with my flatmates, and we were just like sobbing. Um, I don't know why. I think... Stanley Johnson on the telly, like no, just no. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh, it. it was. But like, I think that all these things can make us feel like everything's overall things are terrible. But actually, I think I also kind of look through in history, and I'm like, we've we have like mass movements and people have fought so many oppressive systems and won like in in the past and they've also gone through really dark times as well and Mm. we can't give up because they like these people didn't and so Mm. if they like I do really really hold on to the fact that I do think a new world is on her way at some point it might not be within my lifetime it might not be maybe it'd be within like the next generation's lifetime or something but I do think it's on on the and I think you kind of have to hold on to that people that like give me a lot of hope for that I think I look at Angela Davis who has been doing this work for half a century she's mm. been doing activism for 50 years and she was in prison in like she was in solitary yeah. environment in prison for like many many months of her life as well and, and didn't she escape she, have to escape to Cuba as well well she, like... she's just been through so much that I'm like if she so can much. carry on if she, if she and even like so I'm I've I've been like reading some essays of hers like periodically through the last few months because I find that they give me hope because I'm like she's been doing this work for so much longer than me she's been dreaming of this new world for so much for longer than I've even been alive and if she can carry on doing this work now then like I can too and if if Mm. she still has hope then I can have hope too um and I think that that's why like I actually get a lot of hope from older activists and I look at what they've done I'm like if they can carry on hope if they carried on fighting for so long then, then we can too and we need to too and it's essential that we carry on their work and their legacy yeah, completely. And I think that is clearly where your joy and positivity that you try and keep, especially on your Instagram, like it does look really joyous and positive, even though you joke that you're actually really, really pessimist in real life. But I also, I, I'm not, okay, I would say I'm a complete pessimist. I would just say sometimes I feel quite hopeless just because yes, of like okay. what's going on. We'll, we'll be like, oh my gosh, like how are we going to create change with all the things mm. that are going on? But um, like, with my Instagram especially I feel like it's important to like balance everything out and show joy as well as all this the tough stuff and the hard stuff because like I also think that I recognize that I have intersecting oppressions like I am like a black woman those are two being a woman and being black are two things that like like are oppressions in some way and that kind of like in the face of that stuff to just be like, I'm going to, I'm going to show joy. I'm going to dance with my mum. I'm like, and like laugh like loads and have it like, and enjoy myself. And, and also I'll value that joy. I'll, I will like, like value that joy so much that I'm going to give it like space and, and even share that joy. Like, Mm. I think that's a radical act in itself and like rest as well is like radical and joy is radical. And like 
because it's being like especially in a world where like especially i feel like i don't feel like i know that like black folks are told like that we kind of have to struggle in some way so to kind of turn that on its head and be like i'm actually gonna in the face of that i'm not only gonna like spend some some time doing activism but i'm also gonna spend some time like giving myself joy because i value myself enough to do that and i think that that's like yeah, joy is, joy is important because nothing that Angela Davis, who I love, um, obviously, as you probably tell from this, um, <laughs> says, she says that like, um, that it has to be a point where we're fueled by more than outrage. There's a point at which outrage won't be enough. So we have to find something else. And I think joy is something that I've, I've needed and rest is something that I've needed in order mm. to carry on and keep going. And I think that like, yeah we can be like these holistic people like we don't all have to be super super serious all the time we can also like have a boogie to lizzo and like yeah like laugh a lot like and watch great tiktoks <laughs> like there's exactly. we're all holistic people and i think like we're all like a, like you say we're a contradiction of of things and we yeah exactly expressing that joy and i just think if you're fighting for something so important and you can't have joy like what is the point in the fighting if you don't experience the joy as well exactly and that's one thing that i always think because i think like i think i think about my ancestors a lot and like what they fought for and i'm like i think for a long time i would like kind of take too much burden of that on onto my shoulders Mm -hmm. and be like my ancestors fought for my opportunities therefore i have to work as hard as i can all the time because that but i'm also like my ancestors fought for my joy like my ancestors fought so that i could like dance publicly and laugh and smile and like like feel loved and like Mm. and like just experience wonder and joy as well and that's one thing like rachel cargill talks about how um she genuinely she thinks that like if black folk don't feel called to this work then their only job is to feel joy as often as possible because that's what another thing like that's what freedom i think also that's like Mm. if my ancestors fought for my freedom my freedom includes my joy and my freedom includes my happiness and i think reminding myself of that is like so important like even behind me here my friend actually like drew me and painted me this um it's like a black power symbol but it has um flowers growing out of it and she painted me that after my after my granddad passed this summer and during the black lives matter movement and that kind of reminds me that like part of struggle is also like beauty and growth and like just enjoyment and i think there's being frivolous mm, and there's and there's so many things that are important like within all of that Mm. and i think yeah i think people i think that either it seems that either you like are allowed to be joyous and silly or you're or you're serious and it's like actually we can do both and probably both are are needed to like avoid burnout and to be kind of (laughs) whole people <laughs> yeah I completely agree and uh, just not really connected to what you were saying but as 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 you were speaking there I was thinking like yes you know having that joy and dancing in those like TikTok and Reels mm. videos is amazing and but I see so many y- like young people like yourself using those platforms in a fun and frivolous way to talk about these topics and I'm yeah. like and they get like a million views and I'm like they're going to save us. They're, they're radicalizing kids. That's everywhere. how I this feel. Is brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> when I see TikTok, I'm like, wow, they are so on it. Like the TikTok generation are like, I mean, yeah, I'm, I was like, am I? No, I'm definitely not TikTok generation. I'm too old. No, I, th- but, I think yeah. you are. I'm like 35, yeah. babe. You're like, <laughs> but I, I think I just see like, I'm only I, just a millennial, I think. <laughs> I find it wild when I go on TikTok and I see like 14 year olds who are making TikToks where they do these like, kind of funny dances but then they're educating you about yeah. like me when i used to buy things. five fashion and then they're yeah. like oh no and i'm like 
this has got four million views this is amazing I I maybe i should just quit you... and be a tiktok star <laughs> i think i know that one um if you're thinking of the same one i always think there's a really great one by the climate diva um on instagram where yeah, she like yeah, goes yeah. forward and it's like oh when you see this cute outfit and then you realize that fast fashion is <laughs> yeah, not paying their garment workers yeah. like all of this yeah and i'm like <laughs> i love this like people are and, and people criticize that they're like oh they're being they're like dancing or talking about serious things i'm like you know what tiktok as a platform especially like it that how the algorithm works is it wants to promote like happy silly dancing so if they're gonna like manipulate that to also educate people i'm like these these they're geniuses subversive like, yeah, genius yeah. yes like stop <laughs> like taking them down like they're great we, yeah. like they're and that's what that's nothing that gives me hope is that like me and my friends talk about a lot we're like this tiktok generation or these generation we're seeing they're going to be the vote the voters like in a matter of years and hopefully we'll see significant change and like yeah we like yeah the climate protests as well like Mm. uh, yeah amazing i completely agree um i'm running out of time i don't want to take up too much of your time but um we always ask our guests two quick questions um we haven't even got into the fact like medical stuff like um it's one of the things i was this is not called the hate plastic uh, podcast it's called the age of plastic because <laughs> we're living in the age of plastic we're lovers yeah, not yeah. haters it's a brilliant material we're just using it in the wrong way and i always mm. use the example of um in medicine and the amount of women who used to die after cesarean operations mm. but now we have like disposable scalpels and mm. you know all of the ppe um so i always like to ask people their favorite non-single use plastic item mm-hmm. oh see i have been thinking about this and i am not sure i would this is going to be so incredibly i'm trying to think i could go i could go one of two ways i could go like sentimental or i could go like practical actually i'll just say both of them let's have both um, <laughs> so like practically like my my phone is sadly really essential to my life like it's yeah. how i do a lot of my activism like whether it's online activism or it's organizing like my phone helps me so much and i feel so like pathetic to to like need my phone that much but i think without one like i wouldn't have the voice i have today like and i wouldn't be able to do a lot of things i do today and then like sentimentally and this is because i want to destigmatize being an adult and still having your childhood toy (laughs) 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 because i still have my little toy dog from when i was like a child and i love it and honestly like from a medical perspective stroking some i don't have it because i don't have an actual dog because no, I like we I'm either. doing shift work and I could not have a dog currently and I'm mm. also re- like renting um but stroking something soft is meant to actually like help calm your like your nerves down and like oh yeah wait should I get mine <laughs> <laughs> do it I want to meet I want to meet the dog I was so embarrassed everything was on the bed and I was like oh my god I've got to clear it off or she'll see and now I'm like here like yeah now I'm like dog. this is my two dog that I've had oh. since I was like five years old and it's very I'm, I'm, I'm making little noises like it's a real dog oh. and actually um just on brand he was second hand in the first place when I got him from like a tombola I think when I was like doing it before it was cool yeah exactly <laughs> but I think like one thing is my friends will kind of laugh at me sometimes when they come to my when they've been in my room they'll be like you still have your toy dog on your bed and I'm like Hate yeah, is gonna hate. You know what? <laughs> Destigmatize it. Like, it's actually good for your mental health to stroke something. So, and that's this is one thing. I did that not I know that. Yeah, no, stroking something soft, like repeat and repeated like motions, is actually gonna help your mental health, which is why we like like dogs and animals, and it's why like, we like like soft things. Not all of us, but yeah. But <laughs> you know what? That's me exposing myself as I have not I love said it. that anywhere. But thank you. <laughs> and what's what's the dog called? Um, it's called Doggy because I was a really innovative young child. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I mean, oh does exactly what it says on the tin. Yeah, you know? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Love. Um, Michaela, just one last question mm-hmm. before I let you go. Uh, your environmental hero, please. 
So this was something also that like I think quite a lot because I feel like I have like so many. Um, but yeah, so many people are like, "Can I have three? And I'm like, "Yeah, go for your life." <laughs> but There's also, no rules here. also one thing is like what we talked about before about how um, I even worry about saying my hero. Sometimes I'm like, "Is this being part of like giving one person all the glory and like holding yeah. people on ped- pedestals?" Um, so like really part. Point. Yeah, two things I would say is like what, like I would say my hero in general is like all the indigenous people who've been fighting. We don't know their names. Like in general, like those people are like my heroes, like always. Um, and then other like and then individuals who like inspire me so much, like Wangari Matai, who founded um, the Green Belt Movement. Um, she was a Kenyan mm-hmm. activist um, and just like an amazing woman who did so many amazing things. She was the first Black woman to, I think, or maybe just the first Black African woman to win the Nobel prize which is very cool and then um obviously sorry i'm giving i've given like what because i said all the digital so given like like hundreds and thousands of people here yes but also (laughs) obviously our queen aoc i mean no monarchy but like (laughs) aoc we love her um she is just incredible and i listened to a and watched a video by the sunrise movement which was they basically got her um live that she did after um I'll be uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg oh, yeah. died and she did this amazing live and the Sunrise Movement made like her speaking into a video that was so hopeful um, especially after the new Supreme Court judge was confirmed yesterday and who's not were, even qualified yeah not qualified know. like doesn't believe climate change is real which is like just absolutely terrifying um, but they made this this like film of um, AOC talking about like hope and movements and mass movements and it just gave me like it made my like heart feel just like ready to go and do things and I just love AOC so much and I think that she's amazing and like her involvement in the Green New Deal and just everything is just like she is the future I can't wait until hopefully she could run for president our first female prime minister prime minister first female (laughs) president is what I was just about to say oh my gosh that'd be amazing (laughs) yeah Michaela Loach, thank you so much for joining me on the Age of Plastic podcast. No, I, I, I absolutely love this conversation. I had such I a good time. I so loved it. Yeah. And honestly, like, you know, when you were saying, like, people might be like, when people call you an activist, like, maybe that's slightly intimidating. Mm. I was like, I, I felt a little bit intimidated. I was like, I'm really excited to talk to you, but I, I'm, I don't want to say, like, the wrong thing. Oh. I don't know. It's just, no, I don't I, know. Another, so one thing just before, like, I would always say mm. to people, like, um, we need to stop cancelling each other for things that we've recently unlearned ourselves. And I think that would allow also all of us to feel a bit more like comfortable in getting things wrong and being in conversations. Yeah. And like, I think like, yeah, I can get really intimidated by people. And a lot of the time I'll speak, like, I'll speak to people and then I'll be like, actually, you're just another human being. <laughs> like, we are all just like <laughs> people that do things and some people do things in some ways. Um, and anyway, I've just absolutely loved this conversation and it's been great. Thank and you so thank much. Thank you so much for having me. The, I should have said at the start, really, we were talking over Zoom. So that sound of giggling is us showing each other our stuffed toys. <laughs> Michaela Loach there on the Age of Plastic podcast. I hope you found that as interesting as I did. We, I absolutely love chatting to her. And you can find out um, how to follow her on Instagram or on Twitter and how to listen to her podcast, The Yikes Podcast with Joe Becker, in the show notes. I've put all the links for you there. Also, I've linked her favourite bookshop up in Edinburgh uh, with some book recommendations that came up in today's episode. Also, I realised listening back, it makes it sound like I know Arja Barber. I wish. I just tweeted her and she replied. I'm very thankful for that. 
On to today's Eco Life Hack then here on the Age of Plastic podcast. And I've gone with one that I know Michaela herself supports. If you're worried about your carbon footprint and you'd like to do something more long term than maybe just paying every time you have to take a flight, uh, head to goclimate.com. This is basically a really simple, easy little quiz to calculate your carbon footprint and then get a personalised subscription to offset it. It's all super easy. Then you can do monthly donations. Goclimate.com is where to head. On the way next week on the podcast, if you are eager to get the festive tree up this year and put 2020 behind you, I know some people who will happily help you out with that. A London Christmas tree rental are going to be chatting to me next week on the Age of Plastic podcast. Until then, like Michaela says, value your joy.